Ready for some word today? Psalm 34. Psalm chapter 34. And verse 8. And then also, Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. All right. Psalm 34, 8 reads, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Is the, has the Lord been good to you? Whether you know it or not, He has been. His goodness and His kindness is shown and is available for everyone. Now, we may have lived outside of His goodness because not everything that God gives is automatically received. Not everything that He wants to do automatically takes place. But we are learning uh, His ways. We are growing in our understanding of how to walk with Him and cooperate with Him, receive from Him, give to Him. Uh, All these things are necessary, and then the goodness of God shows up strong in our lives. Okay? Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9, reads, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Praise God. Is the Lord good to you? He's good to you because He's good to all. He's good to everyone. I want to continue today with a series that we started a few weeks back. This will be the fifth part in this series. If you missed either of any of the first parts, one, two, three, or four, uh, you're way behind. (laughs) However, you don't have to stay that way. We, you don't have to be behind the rest of your life from this time forward, I mean. You can catch up. Yeah. It's on the website. You should listen to those other parts. It'll be beneficial to you. If, if you don't like them, uh, there's a stop button. Whereas today, there's not. You have to get up and then we'll know. <laughs> they don't believe the Bible. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll stay the whole time today and stay through the whole messages on the web as you listen and get caught up with these things. Also, if you've been here, it might help to go back and review things again because there are some very powerful truths in this message that will literally set the captive free. But we've got to understand uh, the way that God relates to us. See, uh, there are reasons why both good things and bad things happen. I forget, think I forgot to give you the title. Uh, most of you know it's my longest title ever. All right, so uh, the goodness of God in a very bad world. All right, the goodness of God in a very bad world. We must understand there are reasons why both good and bad things happen. If we will be equipped with the knowledge of life and death and how these things work, we can experience God's goodness continually. All right, once we understand that God is not our problem, but that the earth is cursed and there is a real devil who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, the Bible says that the whole world is under the control of the devil, then we can begin to learn. Okay, God's not my problem. This is why stuff happens. This is why the earth is messed up like it is. But God loves me. And He is Almighty God. Jesus died for me. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And now He's in me. I've got His Word. I've got His name. See, we learn the ways of the jungle. Then living in the jungle is not so bad. 
But if you're out there and you don't know about snakes and you don't know about quicksand and you don't know about some of the stuff out there, then life can be really, really tough. Right? So when we know the ways of God, we understand His Word and His Spirit and His promises, His provision, how these things come to us and sometimes why they're kept away from us, uh, then we can learn how to make things work. And once you learn how to make something work, you do it again. You know, uh, when you pray and you get, you know, connection, you make a connection with the Lord and His power flows and answers come, victories are won, uh, do it again. Yeah, do it again. You find out, this is nice, I like this. It's like a good restaurant, you know, you eat something, like, that was amazing, I'm coming back here. I'm going to do that again. Sometimes in the same setting. <laughs> Refill. <laughs> Set me up again. When you connect with the Lord, I tell you what, you want to come back again and again and again. And when you're laughing so hard and your life is so full, you go spill out on somebody else and you make it work for them. And you help them to make that same connection. Praise the Lord. That's what our goal is around here. I'm not trying to get anyone connected to me. I'm in the, you know, we're brothers and sisters and so, you know, in the body and everything. But I want to help people get connected with the Lord. And, and that's why we arrange the service we do. It's why we're, we're going to worship the Lord again here in a little bit. Because if you walk out of here having heard from heaven, that'll make all the difference in the world. Amen. But we've got to watch out now for, for words that are contrary to the revelation of God is good. We've got to watch out for, for teaching that can, that can sap our faith, that can diminish our confidence in His desire and ability to work in our lives. And there's a lot of it out there. How many know not every popular saying is in the Bible. Not everything that is attributed to the lips of Jesus did he really say. You know, people, you know, we have so many sayings around and, uh, you know, uh, God helps those who help themselves. You know, the Bible says. Uh, well, actually, it doesn't say that. <laughs> uh, this is one that I was talking about with Amy recently, you know, how people say, well, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah, I almost want, I think people are going to put that in the Bible. One of these days, you know, the Bible says you get what you pay for. <laughs> well, unless it's overpriced. And I, or unless you got a good deal. <laughs> uh, anyway, a lot, lot, lot of things are, are, are said and attributed to, to, to the Lord, and, and they're not. Some of them are a little more deceptive. Like, I've heard people say this when dealing with, with Christians, and especially those who are in a hardship or those who have become uh, afflicted in some way physically, they'll say, well, you know, Jesus didn't heal everybody. And then people think about that and they think, well, I guess so. You see, statements like that are very misleading. They're very deceptive. That leaves people with the idea that well, basically we don't, we don't know if God wants to help you out. He helps some, but not others. See, I, I responded, I said, well, Jesus didn't even say hi to everybody either. <laughs> he didn't know everybody. He didn't eat at everybody's house. He didn't, he didn't say, tell everyone, uh, neither do I condemn you. Go sin no more. So I guess he condemned everybody else. Huh? You see how that kind of statement is, is, is just misleading? He was not omnipresent while he was on the earth where he touched everybody in ministry. Not everyone came to the meetings. Huh? Not everyone went after him. Not everybody desired him. So did he heal everybody? Well, he never turned anyone away. Never did a person come to him seeking healing and they walked away sick and diseased. That's a little different perspective than he didn't do it to everybody. 
Huh? See, I think these little sayings can be undermining of our faith. And if we go out of a church service or something like that, and we have this feeling like, or this belief, that now I don't know what I'm going to do. I think the wrong message was preached. I think the wrong things were said. Our faith should be increased in the Word and the faithfulness of God, not, not diminished. You know, I, I know one person said to me one time, they said, you know... God never promised that we wouldn't ever have any suffering or trials. He just promised that He'd be with us in the middle of them. No, that's not true either. That's not a correct statement. That's, that totally violates the Word of God. You mean God, in all of His great promises, and in the defeat of the devil on the cross and sin and all, all these kind of things, it was to this end that we would continue to suffer just like we did before, but with Him holding our hand? I mean, we can't see that in Scripture. His presence is with us to sustain, to change, to give us victory and cause us to overcome. He's not just, well, you're just going to, I mean, your life is going to be hell, but know this, I'll be right there with you in your hellish life. That's not the promise of God. His promise with us is to change us, is to bring victory, is to turn lives around. He's the healer, the savior, the deliverer, the need supplier. He, he's our joy and our peace and our victory. He doesn't leave us just the way we are, just the way we've always been. He act, actually transforms our lives. And so statements like that can be faith-sapping, confidence-removing to where we, we end up uh, not having any ability to connect with and receive the good things that God has provided for us. Praise the Lord. And so we've been talking about why. Why do things happen? Why do things happen in the world on a, on a, in, the, in the big picture? And we've, we've discussed some of that. And then also when it comes... To our own home, comes to our own lives. Why is stuff going on in our own lives? And why do we have to deal with stuff? And if we're not winning, why aren't we? If we're not overcoming and walking in victory, why are we not? We started that last week, and I gave you the first big reason uh, as to why people, what now not just people, but why Christians, why children of God are dealing with junk and suffering some of the hardships of life. I want to go on to a second reason here today and, and talk to you about something that's so very simple, so very basic, that you might be tempted to just blow it off. You might be tempted to say, oh yeah, I've heard messages on that subject before. But it really truly is a big reason why some are missing out on God's goodness showing up in their life. Everybody ready for it? All right. Number two. It is an absence of action. It is an absence of action. In other words, acting on the knowledge that they have. It's sometimes called... Uh, they are not appropriating the promises. They know about them. They've heard the word. They know God's love and grace and power. But nothing is being done with what they've heard, with, they, with what they know. And therefore, it is as if God is not present. He is, but it's like He's not. It is as if He doesn't want them healed and delivered and set free and provided for, even though He does. But the experience is as if none of that exists because of an absence 
of acting on what they know. It's a vital step. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew the 7th chapter. See, sometimes uh, we know the right thing, but we just don't do anything with it. We know what to do, but don't do anything with it. And if you feel like today I'm setting you up for a bashing, because we all know of things that we should have done and we didn't do, we're all aware of uh, shortcomings and things that we could have done differently in life. I am not setting you up to beat you up. <laughs> no one's going to go out of here bruised today. All right? Because here's the thing. Any absence of doing what I know to do, what I should do, it's not about now God is just perpetually angry with me or I'm on the outs with Him. Uh, it's not for that reason that we say this because that's not the case. We're still accepted in the Beloved. Our sins have still been washed away, even though we're aware of things that we didn't act on, things that we didn't do that we should have done. Everybody with me? Okay. So the end result is not condemnation, but there is a direct tie between knowing something and putting it into practice that brings the power and presence of God on the scene and nothing else can substitute for it. Uh, There are some things you can't just pray away. You have to act on the words of God away. Everybody with me? And it's not about, well, you're a bad person, you're a lousy rascal, and and you should be ashamed of your... No, no, no. Shame was on Jesus. Uh, He took all our punishment. But it's still the case that we only get certain results by engaging in certain activities. Not a matter of God wants it to happen or doesn't want it to happen. It's about what are you doing with what you've been told? What are you doing with the words of Jesus? Okay, now now Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. If you've heard this before, if you've been in church for, for very long in your life, you've heard this before. Do not let it run right past your head and say, I know that story. These, these things are truths that will make us free. It's revelation that is so simple, but it unlocks and explains the mysteries of what most people live in. Uh, verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, for it was the will of God. No, there's no mention that God wanted the storm to beat on this house. But here's an interesting, interesting point here, by the way. This is the wise guy, right? Did the storm come to the wise guy's house? So, are any of us able to just opt out and say, I don't do storms, I don't do waves, I don't do any of this kind of stuff, I'm more of a beach guy, sand, to keep the storm away. No, what, what, what the, what's this showing is the storm comes to both kind of people. The storm comes to the foolish person and the wise person. The person who built a house on the rock, the person who built a house on the sand, storm's coming. All right? Doesn't mean anything's wrong with your house per se, or or let me say it this way, doesn't mean anything's wrong with you as a builder just because a storm came to where you built. That's just part part of the system here. Okay. And beat on the house, and it did not fall, 
for it was founded on the rock. So the storm came to this house. What happened? It didn't fall. Why didn't it fall? Because this person did something with the sayings of Jesus, or they built their house in a wise way, and so they didn't fall. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. But really, this fall took place because of God's plan and His will for this builder. Amen. Excuse me, you caught me adding to the Scripture again. (laughs) Can we see here that if we look at these two individuals' lives, one's called wise, one's called a fool, one of them had success, one of them stood, one of them uh, could withstand the storm and the challenges of life, the other person, the, the, the fool, same storm came to them, they collapsed. Why did they collapse? If we didn't know this, we might think, well, you just never know what God's going to do. You just never know what His plan is, what He purposes for a person's life. Sometimes He wants you to stand and be successful and be strong, and sometimes He just wants to wipe you out for His purposes. But yet Jesus taught there are specific reasons why some stand and some fall. There is a direct connection with a person doing something with the sayings of Jesus and a person not doing something with the sayings of Jesus. See, sometimes the answer, when a person comes to you for for help and need, they say, pray this away. Pray for me that this will go away. Now watch, I hope this doesn't sound unkind, but sometimes the answer is, no, you just need to do something with what you know. You need to take the words of God and act on them. Act like they're so. Then we won't even need to pray. Oh no, you know, oh, I do all that. I, I do all that. I, everything you're I know those verses. I do all that. And then sometimes you might feel like, well, I don't know what to say then. Here's what you say. Okay, I guess Jesus was a liar. So, <laughs> does that sound harsh? Uh, listen, sometimes what we, what we want to do is find an exception. That someone's always the exception. I know that's what it, the, the Word of God says, but in my situation, uh, I'm going to have to go with Jesus. He was raised from the dead and stuff, you know? I'm going to have to go with his sayings that if my house is falling, if the storms, if all the troubles of life are knocking me down, then there's some saying of Jesus, there is a word from God that I'm not acting on. Everybody with me? Doesn't mean God doesn't love me. Doesn't mean I'm not saved. Doesn't mean I'm not going to heaven. Doesn't mean His will has changed for my life. But why would I spiritualize it and put this over into the mystery realm? You never know. It's hard to tell. I just can't. I say we take ownership and say, well, Jesus said that if I would hear Him and act on what He said, then I would be called wise 
and my house would stand. So there's either something I need to hear or something I need to hear and do. Well, and both would be true. I need to hear something and I need to do something. I need to act on this because then it doesn't matter what the storm is. Say, well, my situation's big. Hey, I, I don't disagree with you. But the sayings of Jesus, the words of God are bigger than your storm. They're able to sustain in any circumstance of life. We've just got to act like this is true and begin seeing things take place. I know this is so very, very simple, but so many of us have gotten caught up into a habit and a tradition of being satisfied with knowing something. We take pleasure in and satisfaction that we know the verse we, we can quote the scripture, we have the notes, we downloaded the series, we, we, we've, got them all, we've got all this stuff, and like, man, I am knowledgeable and defeated. But I am only one series away from victory. I mean, if pastor will preach the right series, I, I'm going to be set free. And if I can just hear a little bit more, I just got to hear a little bit more than I've done done before and then my life will change dramatically and I'll get all these things and everything will work and happen. No, that's not the way it works. And listen, many of us in our circles, we have that belief system. I just need to hear a little bit more. And I'll get the message and... Uh, and then I'm going to get it online and I'm going to listen to it again and again and again and again and again. And if I listen to it enough, it'll start working in my life. Now listen, there is value in hearing and hearing. Don't get me wrong, I don't take anything away. That's meditation, that's a scriptural principle. There's value in doing that. But I also see words, I see uh, examples of people in the Bible that heard something once. They immediately acted on it and saw results. God showed up instantly in their life as a result of them hearing and doing, acting on the Word. We've got to know that this is the potential. This is available to us as God's children, that, that we can take what He said and act like it's true, and that is what accesses His grace and power. See, the Lord wants to do so many things in the earth that are not being done. And we pray, Lord, do it, Lord, do it. And I'm all for prayer. I pray myself. And I believe the words, the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples. Not, it's not a New Testament prayer, but you know when He said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that's a, a solid foundation that God's will is happening in heaven, but it's not happening on the earth. And so prayer is part of that process. But you know when we pray that, God speaks a word. He gives someone uh, direction and understanding. He gives them words. And when they act on it, His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, in heaven, no one's disobedient. (laughs) In heaven, no one just kind of brushes the words of God aside and, you know, treats... You know, like he's casting holy things to the dogs and, and you know, and, and uh, giving, casting his pearls before swine. And there are no swine or dogs in that sense. Your dog is there, of course. <laughs> but there are no, there's no, there are no people in, in heaven taking that attitude. It's all, every word from the Lord is treasured. It's valued. It's accepted as true and final authority and absolute in every situation. And so people take it, act on it, live in it. And what do you have as a result? Heaven. God's will being done. And His will is good. 
His plan is good for every one of us. And His words being heard and received by us and immediately acted upon brings heaven on earth. It absolutely brings heaven on earth. Say, well, I tried that. It didn't work. Mm. I think I felt God right there. Because I'm not frustrated. But listen, when we act like the, the words of God, the promises of God are, are maybe and amen. You know, the scripture says they're yes, in him yes and amen. That they're maybe and they might be. What can be done with that? How can God move in my life if when he speaks, he promises, he says something? I say, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I hope that works. No, no, no. Final authority. True every time. And I live like it's so. Now God has an inroad into my life. Now His goodness can be manifest. But so many times, it's just uh, one action away. We know what is. If we don't, we need to. But if we, we know what is, and we need to act on it. Okay? And so it's not just about, I've got to hear a little bit more. But we should continually hear more. It's called meditation. It's called feeding our faith and so forth. But you can act on one word. You know how many times we've done a healing service around here? A healing meeting? where people have come into our service that have never been there before. Uh, happens all the time. Never been there before. They hear one little message. Powerful, though. But one little message on healing and God's power and these kind of things and instantaneously get healed, instantaneously get set free. And then someone else has been confessing the Word and quoting Scripture for five years and still struggling. Say, so what's up with that? Well, we know God doesn't love them anymore. Huh? He doesn't love one person more than the other. It's not about... No, it's about you you and I can get into a works mentality where we think it's all on us. We're trying to obtain it by our own efforts and we're we're so focused on our own faith and uh, and what we believe. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we should know what we believe. But, you know, faith is one of those things that's kind of like your eye. How many know your eye doesn't see itself? Your eye sees whatever it's, it's looking at. That's the image that comes into you. Faith is supposed to be that way, but so many people have turned it around where they're self-analyzing their faith all the time. Well, my faith is big, my faith is strong, my faith is this. No, your faith isn't to even be aware of itself. It just, it just sees Jesus. It sees the words of God. And when that's the only thing it sees, faith is present. And it's strong. And it's able to receive. Praise the Lord. That was extra. But in our culture, our world, people are very commonly reading self-help books and doing nothing with them. And we just can't let that kind of mentality be our habit. I know things and I'm satisfied with knowing them. Man, that was a good book. I'm going to recommend that. You should read that too. Well, how's that working out for you? It's good. It's good stuff. (laughs) I've got it highlighted, I've got stars, all this kind of stuff. I know, but what are you doing with it? And too many times, the answer is, nada. Right, Sapiel? All right. James chapter 1. James, the first chapter. See, the promises of God do not automatically happen. There is usually a condition of action. We accept it as final authority, as the final word, and then what do we do with it? We act on it. 
we act like it's so. And it manifests and shows up in our lives. James, chapter 1. Notice the language over here in James 1, uh, talking about hearing and doing. Notice with me over here in verse 22. Uh, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Now, it seems to be that I guess people back in their day, they had this, this practice of really enjoying the messages that they heard, writing stuff down, they took notes, they listened to it on their iPod, and uh, something like that, whatever was popular back then. Uh, And they listened to it, and they were satisfied with that. Because otherwise, he wouldn't have written this letter all these many years ago telling them if they were not a lot like us. He said, be doers of the word and hearers only, be not, excuse me, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I think that's a powerful statement there, that this deception doesn't come from the devil. I'm not being deceived by someone else, but I am being deceived by myself. That I am entering into self-deception every time I hear the words of God and do nothing with them. Do you realize the possibility here is that we could go to church and leave worse off? We would have been better off. Oh, that's kind of a bad saying. Say, that's not going to increase attendance if you say that. Uh, <laughs> listen, the idea is to connect with God and receive His goodness. But if we continually just hear and say, yeah, that's good, that's nice, that's right, but we don't ever act on stuff, we are not only not going to see the fruit of God's Word play out in our life, but we are also going to end up thinking something that's not true. We'll believe that we're doing everything. You know, the less, the less word you read, the more you think you know. The less you act on it and participate in it, the more you think you are doing it. That's why sometimes our struggles are, such, are in such question by us. We think, well, I'm doing everything I know to do. I know, but you're self-deceived. I mean, deception is one of those things that makes you think you're doing something that you're not doing. Hmm. See, it's one thing for someone to be excited about Mark 16, verse 18 says, believers, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Say, oh yeah, I love that verse. Mm, I like it. Mm, I looked it up in the Greek and the Hebrew and and the Aramaic and I looked it up in all the different translations. I love that verse. That's a nice verse. Yeah, when's the last time you laid hands on someone? Well, I'm just praying the will of God will be done. That's how the will of God is done. By believers taking the words of Jesus and acting like they're so. And they do something. Then the power of God flows. Then. So what about now? Listen, again, don't. this is not about condemnation. We're rascals. We're just, no, we're forgiven. He loves us so. We're just not seeing heaven on earth like we should. Because we're not acting on the word. We're not doing something with what we know. Praise God. And so, he said, uh, verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes, observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Who will be blessed? Only the doer of the word. Well, just pray for me that God's blessing will be upon my life. No, just do the word. You can pray for something else. Let your prayer be filled with thanksgiving and honor. And let that be 95% of your prayer life. Lord, you are good. I thank you. I worship you. I glorify you. You're so faithful to me. I love you. You're such a good God. That's prayer. I'm done praying. You didn't even ask for anything. I know, but I was a doer of the word, so I don't need anything. Well, that's a new concept. (laughs) See, again, there's an idea that if we know the word, if we know God's word, then we will be protected from all attacks. I don't know about you, but I know the Word. Not all of it, but I know some stuff. And attacks still come. I know a lot of people who love God, love the Word, faithful to church, doing good, doing... They just got a lot of things that are right in their life. And yet, they get attacked. And stuff comes against them. What's up? Say, what's up with that? They're not related. It's possible to know the Word. It's possible to do some things. But, it, but not being a doer of the Word will interrupt the flow of God's goodness into a person's life. And sometimes, the, answering this question of why, it is as simple as this. One's a fool and one's wise. One hears and does. One hears and says, Amen. Amen? <laughs> no problem with the amens coming. You know what I mean, though. You know, uh, another word I mentioned it earlier um, is the word appropriate. I don't want to go into that deep today. You get my get my series, the last part of the series I did not too long ago called "It's Already Done." Uh, it's on appropriation. Okay, that's really what we're talking about: appropriating what has already been provided for us, not just saying, "Okay, it's done." And that's it. No, actually appropriating it. Paul wrote to Timothy. He told him in 1 Timothy 6, he said, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. That's appropriating. It's when we not only hear, hear about it and say, Ah, that's a, nice, that's a nice pulpit right there. Ooh, I like it. Thank you, Lord. I just, I'm taking notes on it. And uh, I describe it. I'm thankful for it. But no, I grab onto this thing now it's mine now it's it's mine personally i'm going to i'm ready to preach wherever i go <laughs> now, you know what i'm talking about there are things that god has provided he has given to us he has promised us he has said to us but they will not take a practical tangible effect in our lives until we lay hold of them until we appropriate what he has provided and this is something that is very important it's one thing for if you're drowning in the water and someone throws a life preserver to you and they throw it out to you and you're going under and it's sitting right there and you could be thankful and everything else. But it's a whole other thing to grab onto it. Grab onto it and make use of it. And that's what we've got to do with the words of God. We make use of them. We change circumstances. We alter our present reality with God's words. You have the power to do it. We have the ability, we have the inspiration, we have the, the, the grace of God to walk in all these things. So, everybody okay? Anybody bleeding? 
I don't mean that in a literal sense. That's not a word of knowledge. Uh, <laughs> I want you to know that God's word is to empower us to, uh, to receive. Amen? And, and, to, and to walk in all of his goodness and all of his blessings. Praise God.